This is Coda Radio, episode 168, for August 24th, 2015. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this year's show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host, who is excellently established, perhaps perfectly established, on the East Coast. Why, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is indeed Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. It's time to mow the lawn, Chris. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just make sure you get it real loud in a gas motor with no muffler, and then stand about five feet out my door, and then charge me for it. Oh, I'm definitely gonna charge you. For it. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Dominic, uh, we have a really interesting show that came up this week. A couple of listeners submitted topics. I think one that you're gonna bust wide open. We also have a massive conundrum of a situation I want to break down with you as well as some excellent feedback. Excellent feedback. After a Friday edition of the Coda Radio Show, we are back on a Monday. Lin- the post-LinuxCon craziness. I want you to know that I didn't sleep at all last week. Really? It just got you all messed up, huh? Doing the show on it's, Friday? Yeah, it was just wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like getting irregular in your schedule, you know? It, just, it, it throws you for a loop. I, uh, I, it was a really crazy week last week because we went down Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to LinuxCon. And to do anything for three days in a row is a lot. That's, uh, I don't know how anybody does that. That's crazy. But, it, you know, going down to Seattle, seeing all those people just totally messes up the whole schedule uh, for a while. But it was fun. It was good times. And uh, we are now back and kind of back on our feet, and uh, things are uh, moving right along. And uh, are you ready today for episode 168? 168. Are you ready? I have a, I have a, I kind of have like a whole big day ahead of me. I, uh, I, have, li- I have lined up uh, an amazing, amazing, amazing deal, potentially, on a uh, RV trailer that I want to take on a uh, J- JB Roadshow. And it's like the deal of a lifetime, and I'm going to go up there tonight and see it if it all works out. I could, t- next week we talk, be the, uh, be the proud owner. You know. I could be doing a roadshow of myself. Is there a Linux Fest Southeast at any point? There is Ohio Linux Fest coming up in October. I'm, I'm not actually allowed in the state of Ohio. Okay, 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 yeah. yeah. This would be a big, you know, you know and we're, we, this is not really the topic of today's show, but, uh, you know, once I went and started working for myself full-time for JB, that was, I, I guess, kind of like three years ago. I don't really remember now. <laughs> Uh, but and I, since I did that, since I started working for myself, um, I've not bought anything that requires a payment. You know what I mean? Like yeah. no vehicle, no homes, nothing. <laughs> like because I don't want you know. Yeah, it's just a nice way to say you can't pass the credit check. Well, no, I mean there's well, no, actually, I have pretty decent credit because you know I I I have you know I have established credit, but it's the oh my god, what happens if the no? It's the fear of the moment I the moment I sign on the dotted line for a monthly payment, that's when everything will fall apart, and then I won't be able to make the payment anymore. But I'm not so worried about that, and. This is so, so it's a big – if I go up there and I get this RV, it's going to be a big moment because this will be the first thing I've ever got payments on since becoming self-employed. And uh, so that in itself is – like that's a big commitment to wrap my head around. And then to yeah. have to start the process of kind of putting together a mobile studio on, on, on the cheap, <laughs> it's going to be a good challenge. I haven't I, – that's the yeah. kind of challenge I like to face actually. So – uh, anyways, Mr. Dominic, we have much to get into today, much, much to discuss, and uh, I'll update you next week on if I actually ended up 
landing uh, the uh, mobile broadcast studio. And I wondered if you wanted to talk about uh, this topic that was sent in by D-Rock, um, and it's uh, Life Inside Amazon. And it's particularly uh, poignant for me yes, because... Yes, yes, mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those of you who uh, are not familiar with this story, uh, I'm going to bring Charlie Rose in because he's paid a lot more than I am. And also I'm going to bring in... Uh, uh, Nora, and I'm also, uh, maybe while I'm at it, uh, we'll also bring in a few others to help us explain what's going on. In fact, while we're at it, let's just have the whole CBS morning crew come in and tell us what's yeah, going like, on. Wait Amazon. a minute. Is that like, th- yeah, I was like, wait. <laughs> you like that? And we have a whole cast of characters here. Amazon this oh. morning is fire. The online giant is the world's biggest retailer. The market value is nearly $250 billion. Amazon has facilities in 18 states. Nearly 100,000 people work there. The New York Times is now raising questions about the company's culture. Here, and I'll just play a moment so you guys get the backstory. We won't play the whole report. Jody Cantor and David Streitfeld spoke with more than 100 current and former employees. Their story is the most read and emailed article this morning on the Times site. It says, quote, in part, workers are encouraged to tear apart one another's ideas in meetings, toil long and late. They are held to the standards that the company boasts are unreasonably high. A former employee believes this, that Amazon is where overachievers go to feel bad about themselves. This morning, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos is responding to the article with a letter to employees. Bezos says, quote, it claims that our intentional approach is to create a soulless, disopian workplace. Actually, uh, Charlie's kind of butchering this. It says... It claims that our intentional approach is to create a soulless, dystopian workplace where no fun is had and no laughter is heard. Again, I don't recognize this Amazon. Where no fun is had and no laughter heard. Again, I do not recognize this Amazon, and I very much hope you don't either. Jody Canner is with us at the table. All right, so let's stop there. So this is the report of what's going on in Amazon, is that it's extremely uh, rough culture. Um, the report came out that you'll see, uh, and I guess this is supposed to underscore how brutal it is, growing men will come out of meetings holding their eyes crying. Uh, you've never worked at Amazon unless you've cried. Those kinds of uh, lines were in there. About 10 employees that they're able to talk to um, with permission from Amazon. And, of course, Bezos has been responding. Now, this is interesting because a couple of months ago there was a book out that kind of claimed the same thing. And I look at this story, and I, th- I see a couple of different angles um, I'm kind of curious what your first reactions are, Mr. Dominic. So do you remember a couple of weeks ago the story about Google and uh, you know a number of other tech companies? But Google was kind of the, the marquee one and how their aging employees – and aging, we're talking like you know, 37, 40 – are finding it harder and harder to keep up with the culture because you, know, you have kids – and responsibilities in a life that gets you're more someone's complex father, and, yeah, yeah you're someone's father or mother and you can't sleep at your desk right like you know I, uh, I guess because when I hear this, I mean, this is kind of why I brought up on Coder Radio. This is there's this uh, there's this programmer culture out there where it's totally awesome, man, to totally work yourself to death. And I mean, sometimes you know, it's come. I don't know. I have a less indicting view of Amazon, I guess, than than a lot of people I've heard this week. You know, if you really have to, if you have like a marquee customer, or or it's like, you know, it's your launch week for your company, and it's make or break, and you guys pull the hard weekend or whatever you do, right? I think that's okay. It's not great, but it's okay, and it builds camaraderie, and it's a good experience for you to have at least once in your life. But if that's standard operating procedure, then that sucks. Yeah, and so uh, this to me seems to be pretty pretty common, actually. And now, is it a okay? So here's another way to look at this. Um, for a certain type of personality and work type, sometimes that's very aggressive. Let's take an idea, like a, take a writer's room. 
A writer's right. room is often kind of famous for you take an idea and then you tear it apart, and then by the end, everybody emerges with something better, even though sometimes in the process, some feelings are hurt. That's often – there's a, a lot of that. That's often described as part of the creative process. If you're somebody who's not super comfortable with that, you could walk away with a pretty bad impression. But if you're somebody who happens to think that's a pretty efficient way to work, you could walk away with a very good impression. So the issue I have with stories like this is it always depends who you ask. If you right. ask the right person, Chris Fisher is an asshole. I'm a dick. And if you ask another person, I'm an extremely – Right, exactly. Right. Yes. Right. Thank you. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to point fingers. And if you ask another person, I'm very generous. I could be, you know, et cetera, et cetera, whatever, you might, whatever it might be. You're always going to get a different story depending on who you ask because it always filters to their own personal bias. I hear this story and I hear these rumors about Amazon and I think they're true at the same time. I also think they sound like a very, very lean competitive company that's got the pedal to the metal. And, and uh, I mean – isn't it – I don't know. I mean I guess I agree with you. Are you basically saying it's different strokes for different folks? No, I, I guess it kind of to in a sense. I guess what I'm saying is it's different strokes for different folks, but then it, it put in the wrong light, it blows up. So the New York right. Times takes this article and you, you ask the right people, like, gosh, that sounds pretty aggressive. That sounds pretty bad. That, right. that doesn't, but, then, but you ask another set of people and they would give you a different spin on the exact same stories and you'd have a completely different article. And I think part of it also comes in with the author's bent. It almost felt like – when I read it, it felt like a little bit like a hit piece to me. Uh, it feels like a hippie to me. I, I, you know, I don't know if I should say this, but I was, uh, you know, uh, a couple months ago, I was considering doing the job thing, and I actually went and was invited to an Amazon recruiting event. And everybody I talked to, I mean, obviously they're picking the people who talk to you, but people seem legitimately happy. Like, maybe it's not for everybody. I didn't think it was for me, but not for any reasons like this. I just didn't want to do it. Um, it. I mean, it seems like a software company, right? It's a lot of work, and there's deadlines, and there's pressure. But well, what about what uh, what about what RJP is saying in the chat room? Sometimes being a dick is just needed to get things done. Is that what it is? Is that sometimes it, when you have a group of a of a bunch of people who think they have a really good idea, somebody has to make a decision, and sometimes somebody's going to think the decision that didn't go their way, that guy's a dick, and somebody has to be a dick. Like, doesn't doesn't there have to be a Steve Jobs and a Jeff Bezos and a and a driver like that? Doesn't don't you need somebody like yeah. that? Yeah. I, I, I think you do, and I don't even think it's that big. Like, you need a larger-than-life personality. You know, coming from the startup kind of small shop space, work with, you know, have worked with big companies, do work with big companies, it, it, there's definitely a cultural difference in how they handle just communication in a very general way. Like, a little company, someone will say, hey, I have this idea, and then mm. within minutes, the group will say no, or yes, let's explore it more. Mm. Big companies call a conference call, right? They call a big meeting, and everybody discusses it, and, and everybody gets their 10 minutes to talk or whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know which one of those is obviously preferable to me, but I don't – I feel like this article paints Bezos as, like, the devil, like dance, puppets, dance, and, and Amazon as some sort of, you know, I, I don't know, like sweatshop. Mid yeah, I, middle yeah. class sweatshop, I heard it called. Right. I, yeah, yeah. A middle class sweatshop. And I guess, and it, yeah, boy. And the only reason, because there's a couple of things that I think have given this article some currency. I think, number one, there is some paranoia cropping up about Amazon becoming like an online Walmart and, and maybe abusing their power. Like some people, you know, we saw some of the book publisher deals go down and people are like kind of looking at askance now going, uh oh, what happens when you give them too much power? Right, but, but you have a choice, right? Like, I, listen, I do not like Walmart. I don't think their practices are, are particularly ethical. So I choose not to buy things from Walmart. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. that simple. 
Yeah, and by, so what I mean, though, is I think the wary is starting to grow in the general public. Perhaps that's why this got some currency. And then, and then the other thing, I, the reason why it got some currency with me just a little bit is maybe this isn't exactly fair to Amazon, but I think it's fair enough to a lot of company cultures out there that are really taking advantage of people who are working in their passion field. And uh, that's why when I read some of this stuff with Amazon, I was like, I could see how you rope somebody in on something they're super passionate about. You get them excited to work for a company like Amazon, and then you drive them and drive them and drive them until they break, and then you use somebody else. I'm not okay. saying Amazon does that, but I am saying that does happen a lot in the industry. All right. So, so this is not an Amazon problem. This right. is a, no, a yeah. tech industry I, That's why I wanted to zoom out a little bit. And, I, and specifically, man, I think it's – now, not in some not in some classes, but in some levels. But I think specifically, it it, it it hurts the development community the most often. Well, developers, we're how can I say this uh, politically correct? We're a whiny bunch of bitches, really. <laughs> I mean, every single one has the imposter syndrome, and we're always trying to measure our 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 uh, EPs against each other all the time, right? Like, Inappropriate. Yeah, pretty much. It, it, you know, it's really easy to. And I've seen it done to kind of manipulate a developer, make him think it doesn't feel good, and then get him to work, you know, 20 hours a day or something crazy like that. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, a pretty unbelievable story later on in the show in just a bit. Can I just uh, throw a theory out here? No. I'm in no position to to talk right now about this, but I think think it's not sustainable, and I think you are better off treating employees well than badly, um, assuming that they are doing an honest day's work. Yeah. So, you know, certain things that, you know, I've, I've, I, people complain, like, th- to me, this article is nothing more than another complaint about your employer, right? Some people complain, oh, my employer blocks Facebook. I actually think that's okay. I yeah, think they and, should block and, and in this case, their employer happens to be big enough that can, they can make headlines. Right. And unfortunately, in this case, it's the New York Times doing the, uh, it's not, you know, a, a nasty Right, fake which means deal. every other newsletter's going to talk about it. You know, I, I actually, now, if Amazon is breaking the law or doing anything criminal or, 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 or wrong, they should obviously be looked at. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. Everybody I've ever met from Amazon, and I've met quite a few, always been happy. You know, I've, I've been pretty lucky because I work in Washington. And right. so uh, I've had I've had opportunity to work with a lot of people from Amazon. And I would say the majority of them liked it. A couple of them wanted to go back, and a couple of them were so glad to be out of there. Pretty common, right? Don't you think from a big company? Well, and, yeah. I mean, Audible, you know their subsidiary, Audible yeah, for yeah, you, but yes, yeah. is actually out here in Newark, New Jersey. I know there were people who, when they became Amazon, did not enjoy it, but oh, they really? left. Okay. Right. Yeah, sure. And sure. People, but, but that's going from a startup to now a big company. Yeah, yeah. Like that happens all the time. Microsoft could have bought them, and they probably would have walked out. Um, I don't. I, 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 I don't know. This this feels like a hit piece to me. I I don't want to like kind of poo poo it and dismiss it because I know a lot of people are 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 passionate about this. But you're not forced to work there, right? And unless they're breaking the law. You don't really have anything to stand on. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what Amazon kind of. I mean, Bezos coming out and saying that doesn't that doesn't sound like the Amazon I know. I mean, that's basically does nothing. Well, and he also invited employees to you know break the chain of command and directly contact him if there's an issue. Yeah, I, I just be curious to see what other kind of public relations steps they make in the future to kind of change this because I think this is they. I, if they're, I, I, there's I, momentum I'll, building here. Yeah. I would concede that there is a broader problem with the, you know, with the West Coast Silicon Valley type companies. I know Amazon's in Washington, but that whole area is now getting conquered by hey, California investors. Uh, with great. this whole kind of like what is it, Ender's Game thing, where 
we're just burning out people in their 20s, and as soon as they get married and have kids, you retire or you start your own company. Become a consultant. Business? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, huh. Well, <clears throat> I hope I hope that Amazon does something to sort of, you know, make things nice oh. for the employees. Just as like a thing. Maybe, right. you know, maybe, right. like, cause right. I, I would like to see if Amazon sort of addresses this. It sort of sets the message. It sort of sends a message to the rest of the industry that, you know what, we're not really OK with this. And we don't want to be we don't want we don't want our image associated with those kinds of work practices. And even if it's more show or even if it's really just them publicly doing a better job displaying what they do now, it could help send a message to other companies yeah. in Silicon yeah. Valley on the West that this and, isn't and acceptable. I would even temper that a little, uh, mentioning the Google article, because I was actually recently up in their office in Chelsea, and I've never seen people who, one, had better food and, A, were happy. <laughs> like, honestly, I, I just hung up for lunch. I was like, yeah, you guys are feeding me. Like, they have mussels and clams for lunch. I was like, you bastards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I don't know. Really, I think it's fine. You know, you work where you want to work. Yeah. Uh, and if anybody wants to uh, share their thoughts or maybe if they have any uh, thoughts from uh, experience, they can email us, coderadio at jupiterbroadcasting.com or go to the Jupiter Broadcasting page and send us in uh, a contact form right there on there. You just choose Coder Radio from the drop down and uh, anything in this general subject, too. You don't have to be an Amazon employee. Anything in that general subject would be interesting to hear your insights on. I want to talk about uh, our next story, which is actually um, eerily sim- similar in some ways about like yes, you know, this is yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. But first, let me tell you about our friends over at Linux Academy, sponsors of the Coder Radio program. Linux Academy is a great resource if you want to take your skills up to the next level. They have step-by-step video courses and downloadable comprehensive study guides. And this is a really nice feature because you get this. This is something you can go back to as well, right? Couldn't you? You can do it. You can use it for reference down the road. I mean, it's not just a matter of being able to take the material and listen offline while you're commuting or in the shower or something like that. It's it's also about having resources down the road for yourself. I find that to be exceptional. And the nice thing about Linux Academies is built by enthusiasts who truly understand this technology and all the different platforms that they're teaching you. They have over 1,700 self-paced courses now, scenario-based labs, and they have just released their new Linux Foundation Certified System Administration's prep course. How about that? That's going to be coming up soon. On October 15th. Wow. That's going to be, I think that's going to be the biggest thing they've ever done. They are really cranking things out. And they really understand the subject material. That's why they make the difference. It's not just a feature. It's not just a check on an online learning platform. It is the platform. And they have virtual servers that match whatever distro you've chosen, 7 plus distros. They'll spin up the virtual machine on demand and it matches that distro. And it's really nice if you're doing some AWS training. Because then you don't have that surprise AWS bill. (laughs) I, I, I trust me. I learned that one the hard way on a visa, and uh, it was an expensive lesson learned. And I like the other thing I think about it, of course, is just integrated with the courseware. I don't have to go off and do it separately on my own. And then you'll do those scenario-based labs. So when you actually go work with this technology, whatever it might be, OpenStack or Amazon Web Services or anything in the Red Hat stack or PHP, you know, when you go to work with it, you'll actually done something in production. With these scenario-based labs, you've actually deployed it from beginning to end, and that's very, very valuable. Also, if you're a more advanced Linux Academy user, go make sure you're taking advantage of profiles. There's a pretty active community over there now, and a lot of them are JB members, so why not catch up? And you can take advantage of, their, of the new profile feature they rolled out a couple of months ago to kind of uh, give yourself a little bit of awesome standout. New features are rolling out all the time over at Linux Academy. That's why your subscription really matters and continues to get even more valuable. Even if you've signed up when we first started talking about Linux Academy, it's gotten more valuable as 
we have gone on. So go to linuxacademy.com slash coders and support the Coder Radio program and get the Linux Academy discount. And a really big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. <clears throat> okay. So get this. This is, uh, this is kind of unbelievable. It was uh, submitted to Reddit. It was submitted to our show. And I have to read this to you. And then maybe we can figure out what to do for this guy, and I'll send him back an answer. So uh, comes in from CSE Engineer. He says, two employers ago, I encouraged uh, my uh, COD – or oh, oh, I'm sorry, COO, to, I, I, my, chief, uh, my chief operating officer, to pitch a hybrid mobile application. We sold a decent-sized idea to a local customer, and I estimated, project planned, and began development. In September, so that happened in August of 2014, in September of 2014, I found a new job with a different local tech company. I tidied up the application's files the best I could and left dev notes on how to wrap up the project. An open invitation to contact me if they had any follow-up questions. And a small, as a small family company, knowing that I had a wedding coming up, they offered to take our photos of our wedding at no additional cost as a parting gift. We offered to pay. And they said, no, 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 no. And it's just, you know, we'll do it for free. We're happy to do it. <clears throat> so then a special request came in, October 2014. So that was in September. Now we're in October. They're having issues with the project, which he hasn't looked at since he left, and want me to come in for a few days to help it get off the ground again. I volunteer to get the main dev up to speed, and I take two days off work to actively code with him and show him the ins and outs. For the next two months, they continue to have issues, so I, conti- so I contribute remotely at no cost to the project, troubleshooting with the dev that is building out the services that will communicate with the JS and HTML front ends. Now... Flash forward to today, 2015, wash, rinse, and repeat, them, the, the uh, old employer. We really need this completed. Here's a whole bunch of small changes we would like. Me. Okay, I've knocked out these small changes. Any remaining issues you have uh, that can be done by your in-house devs, you should be set. This is the stuff isn't hard, and I've briefed him on how to make changes multiple times now. Them. Here are some more small changes. Please complete them ASAP. Client is threatening. They want a full refund due to timeline. Me. Okay, I've knocked out all of these changes. Please consult your in-house dev if you need anything else done. Can I have my wedding photos? It's been six months. Them. Only if you sign this legally binding document that the project meets all of the initial requirements is bug-free, and if it's not, that you will continue to dev until it is. At my freelance rate, the amount of time I've put into the help these nearly triples the original cost of the wedding photos. Even at their in-house rate, the value of my time is slightly greater than the value of the service. I get that they want this project put to bed, but it's, look, it's looking like an additional 20 hours of dev time remaining, three or four meetings, and they're over 140 miles away, and communicated directly with the client to explain the circumstances and delays. So he has to communicate directly to the client, too. The project is 100% at an easy place to finish, and their in-house dev is capable of doing it. I've offered to fill any knowledge gaps, but they lack the resources or time for that, and they want me to bring the project to completion. I've, ne- I've even offered to pay the photos outright, and they don't want to hear it. Wow! What a situation! Mr. Dominic, does that just make you cringe, or what? It makes no sense. And let me tell you why it makes no sense. No development shop that is sane and has been in business for more than 30 days would have any contract that guarantees a delivery date. Ever. Mm. Because you will never, your estimates are always not great. Sometimes you're under, sometimes you're over. And to guarantee a date means you've breached the contract, means they could sue you. So you don't guarantee a date. You make it very difficult for the client to come after you. Um, So the client can threaten all day long. 
they can hire a lawyer, they can file a lawsuit. They're not going to win. So I, I don't really understand why this would ever happen. Um, you know, I don't know what decent sized deal mean. It, it I, I, you know, it's all relative to everybody, but this doesn't sound like that big of a deal. To I me. would say, well, I would say don't sign the document. Don't sign. Well, obviously not. But my, my concern is less with him. He should just, you know, I, I don't even, he made a big mistake by giving them his wedding photos. Yeah. Well, you had them take it. Yeah. That's part of their biz. <clears throat> Something is super wrong here in terms of. You know, presumably he's working for some sort of development shop. Yeah, and uh, and they're they are they've never had a deadline slip before. It sounds like too <laughs> well. I actually sound no. I think he kind of pitched them to kind of get into it. It was like a first thing for them, um, and so then they hire this new dev. And I'm, I'm betting this guy isn't cutting it. And that's why they keep going back to. Uh, All right. Well, well, but 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 I mean, I've seen thousands of development contracts, and none of them say. This will be delivered by January fifteenth at three p.m. or or that's a breach. But it could be one of those things where, like, they said, "Oh yeah, we'll have it to you in October," because that's when they called him back in to kind of like do some last minute fix it up uh, and get it going again. And I'm just wondering. So maybe they maybe they said, "Okay, we'll have it to you around October." And now matter. and now, but now it's almost September twenty fifteen. I bet the client's getting pissed. It they could be pissed all they want, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. The, uh, you know, if it, I, honestly, it's going to come down to the contract. If let's just say, for example, the dev shop delivered half of the scope of work, right? And the client accepted half of it, even though it's been a year, guess what? They're not entitled to a refund. Yeah. What about, what do you, what if, since he's a kind of hard spot and wants his wedding photos, what if he kind of flipped it on him and said, "All right, I will, I will sign a contract for like five hours of work, and the photos are prerequisite up front, or something like that. Like I'll do ten hours of work, but the photos are prerequisite to the, any work happening." I just can't. He can't work for free anymore. That's ridiculous, and he's got to get yeah, the photos. Yeah, no, there's something much more dysfunctional about this company than than even like negotiating with them. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, they they're supposedly in this in this business of software development. And they have no idea how to, you know, because you're building something from nothing. Your estimate may or may not be correct. You, you know, your client could be a psycho and you have very, uh, very little ability to vet them. So you don't have a contract that makes it, uh, um, yeah. 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 It seems crazy. I think, you know, and part of his first mistake was entering without any kind of arrangement, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah he shouldn't have done anything. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, yeah. And he was trying to be a good guy, good guy, ex-employee, which we all have done, right? But, yeah, that kind of... Yeah, I mean, I've gotten into that trap, too, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it from the perspective of the guy who owns the shop. Like, even, even if the shop is, like, totally insolvent and going out of business, right, that in itself protects him from the client. Because you can sue the company that has no money all day long. Um, yeah, I agree with that in Vancouver. There's pretty much no arrangement here that's going to work for him. Right. No, no one's going to win. Because either this person's so petty that they won't accept the work, yeah. or this shop is so incompetent that they shouldn't be in that business, and they somehow, whatever their main business is, don't have enough money just to settle with the client and get the client to go away. I mean, this just, this just seems like a really dysfunctional situation. 
Oh, I hope. I hope. I, I, he's been trying to get. He's been trying to raise awareness and get. He's posted on Reddit. He emailed us. I hope he's. I hope we get a follow up because I'm curious to see what happens. Maybe somebody will see it if now that it's on Reddit and maybe something will happen. But uh, it's a pretty crazy situation. Hey, Mr. Dominic, we have some really good news from a longtime viewer of the show, and that that's going to pick things right up. So first, let me tell you about DigitalOcean. This is picking me right up. I love DigitalOcean. I you know why I love DigitalOcean. My infrastructure on demand. That's what I call it now. Sure, you could claim Mr. Dominic told me about it, but now I pretend like I built DigitalOcean. I've got a I've got an account over DigitalOcean with like three active droplets and a fourth droplet we use for testing, and it's crazy straightforward on the pricing. It's five dollars a month, and that's that's it for the entire month. Five dollars for five hundred twelve megabytes of RAM, a twenty gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of infrastructure on demand. Isn't that crazy? It's all Linux-powered. They're using KVM for the virtualization platform. Incredible Docker support, one-click application deployment. They really are dedicated to making it the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own cloud server. And if you can get started in less than 55 seconds, and the pricing is only $5 a month, it's worth just trying it to experiment with something, isn't it? I really love the interface at DigitalOcean. They have one of the best ever. And it makes it very intuitive to set things up to deploy applications. And the fact that they're all SSDs throughout the entire infrastructure means it's super fast. And their interface can be replicated with their API. So you take that functionality and you just take it even a step further. And the really great part is over at DigitalOcean, go to their community section and take a look at some of the projects that are built. The uh, first thing you'll see is this is their really good documentation. They, they, they have technical staff that edit these. They pay folks for their contribution. You can look more into that. And then go over to their, go over to their project section and looks at, look at some of the apps that you get to take advantage of just as a DigitalOcean customer because the API is so rich, people are creating these apps all around it. Uh, let's take a look at Swimmer. This is a really good one. Swimmer is a full-featured uh, open-source Android client. How cool is that? And uh, you can go visit the project, and I'll open up another tab, and I'll go back to their main projects. It's right up here on, on uh, GitHub. And it's an, it's an unofficial application for the users of DigitalOcean who want to manage their droplets, snapshots, and images from an Android device, and they want to do it with an open-source application so you have a little more peace of mind. You can manage your SSH keys, create, update, and destroy your droplets SSH keys. You can manage the domains, the records for the domains. You can create multiple snapshots. You can reboot the machine, shut them down, reset passwords, resize them. Enable or disable backups, rename or even destroy a droplet from your phone because of DigitalOcean's API. And so that API rides on top of an incredible platform of Linux and SSD servers, and they have data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, and Germany. So you can pick a great location so it's fast as heck. And if you use our promo code CODERDIGITAL, use our promo code CODERDIGITAL, you'll get a $10 credit. You can try out that $5 rig two months for free. They have a great community section over here. Look at this, how to install MailPile on Ubuntu 14.04. Love that one. So many good community tutorials, projects, and questions. Go over to DigitalOcean.com right now and use the promo code CODERDIGITAL and try them out. Over 500,000 developers have deployed to DigitalOcean's cloud. And you can too. We use it as our on-demand infrastructure. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CODERDIGITAL. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Okay, I was very, very happy about this next email. It came in from uh, PT Dave. Uh, longtime viewer of the show. And uh, he writes, uh, hey guys, I wanted to share my kind of success story. So I've been programming for close to 15 years now, um, but not professionally. Uh, I do not have a college degree and I am completely self-taught. I've been working in IT since I got a job out of high school and I work at the high school I graduated from now. I was approached about writing a web platform to do what an access database has been handling. And finally, I have it finished after writing different versions. The first one he wrote was in ASP.NET. Then he wrote one in PHP. Then he wrote one in Dart, and now 
He's finally written one in Go. Go being the best of them, he says. My business partner and I now have a product that is being purchased by school districts on a yearly basis and charges per student. Being that my software takes an awful Word document uh, the state produced that they are required to keep track of and turns it into a web interface, I'd say it's a huge market. But I want to tell folks who are passionate about wanting to get into programming to stick with it. And regardless of your educational training, you can achieve it if you really want it. P.T. Dave. Isn't that nice to go make you feel good kind of story there, Mr. Dominic? I love it. I like that, P.T. Dave. He's real great. And then Robert writes in with something that might blow your freaking mind. It's out of this world. It's called Meteor. He says, hey, guys, I think you should take a look at Meteor. It works via WebSockets, and it makes it easy to make an isomorphic app in minutes. It changes the fundamental way you think about development, and they have an interesting way of using a local MongoDB with the server. It's really cool. I'm sorry. I heard MongoDB. Yeah, yeah, that is. I was, I was almost going to cut that part out of the email, but I, I thought I sh- in full disclosure, I should probably leave it in there. So in the show notes, I'm going to link to a, a so-so YouTube video that describes uh, Meteor in uh, more detail. But uh, they say in their tagline, "Build apps that are a delight to use faster than you ever thought possible." And faster than a speeding bullet. Yeah, uh, Meteor is a complete open source platform for building web apps and mobile apps in pure JavaScript with a delightful experience. It's fast and fun development. They say. Accomplish 10 lines, what would over otherwise take a 1,000, thanks to a reactive programming model that extends all the way from the database to the user's screen. Ugh. Aw, come on. Don't hate already. It looks really like great, don't you think? Everything I hate in one thing. It's like JavaScript, reactive programming, MongoDB. Disgusting. Meteor is a JavaScript app platform offering a complete full-stack framework for delivering web apps and mobile apps entirely in JavaScript. Meteor radically simplifies the development process for a reactive app development. Users expect more of their apps than ever before. Meteor can deliver on those expectations quickly and effectively while providing a delightful integrated developer experience. Not impressed, huh? No, I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm trying very hard to buy into the whole reactive thing right now, and I really don't like it. I'm kind of impressed. There's already a couple of apps out there. But all, all right. right, all right, all right. I'll find. So, I thought maybe I'd get you interested. I, I, I. No, I no, no, nothing. no. Nothing. You just smack. Nothing. You just smack faster than a Python script. Well, okay, that's fair, JB Hockatrue. That's fair. Good hey, apps. Hey. Well, okay. I also don't. Geez, you guys are all a bunch of skeptical Nancys here. I don't see any. Okay, I don't see a lot of good apps either. I see some apps, uh, but I don't. I don't see a lot. Maybe if anybody, yeah. Yeah. Telescope. How about telescope? Is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. See, look at that. Telescope. The easiest way to launch a community. Written in Meteor. Pow, Mr. Dominic. Now what you got? Now, see, I found an app. So, boom. That's what you got. All right, fine. I thought we'd get a couple of minutes of good discussion out of that, but that's fine. I see. Uh, just... I, I, I'm on the angular side of the street, Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. All right. Yeah. Now, you when you, got on, when you got on the show today, you said, uh, uh, did you see the most important story in the subreddit this week? The most important story, and it regards so, magic. Chris, I... I regret to inform you that I and many other uh, developers will be filing bankruptcy. What? Why? Well, a company called Gigster at trygigster.com can within 10 minutes get you a fixed bid for your app or web development project that they will guarantee, i.e. they will pay any overruns. So trygigster.com. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to go check it out right now. Let's go take a look here. Uh, Who are we? Success story. Start a project. I'm going to start a project. Okay, I got a spinning wheel right now. This is okay. Sign our non-disclosure agreement. The confidential of your project is important to us. By clicking accept, you, you both of you, and and your company and Gigster are agreeing to terms of an NDA to protect all parties. 
So they make you get the first screen as an NDA out of the gate. Have you seen yeah, this? Uh, yeah, yeah. Meaning, I wonder if that NDA says if you have a bad experience, you can't talk about it. Oh no. Hmm. I'm reading it right now, actually. Yeah. 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 <laughs> huh. Well, that's that's one way to help your development shop. That's for sure. Wow. <laughs> to anybody who wants to, uh, com- you know, say anything bad about it. Uh, so, you know, their pitch is that they're going to get you a fixed bid price with people who supposedly work at Google, Oracle, Microsoft, all those kind of places. It's unclear what that means. Um, and that these people are doing these projects in their spare time. Oh, do you think that's how they're able to do it? No, I don't think it's necessarily... I don't think anyone who's a full-time W-2 employee at Google is is using Gigster to get app projects in their spare time. All right, so I'm going to say I'm going to say I'm going to build the Lcars 1.0 interface for around ten thousand dollars in one week on Android. Okay. Uh, now I have to create an account. Now I'm starting to lose motivation. But this is my last step. Assuming I and then I would then I would chat with chat with Gigster. Yeah. So I've been through the process. You chat with them, and now what's interesting is their bids aren't insanely low. They're based out of San Francisco, it looks like. Well, that's where their office is. Well, they're free, so they're, they're hiring developers as a contracting. I don't know why you would want to do this. This reminds me a little bit of 99designs. Right. So they say ah. they have 800 and counting, both in California and across the United States. With so many gigsters in our town pool, we'll probably have some. So they're, not, they're, not, they're, they're making it sound like they're all in the U.S., they are. They're going out of their way to avoid saying or to avoid offshoring, or at least to avoid the appearance of offshoring. Um, what's really interesting to me is that they very openly admit that they're VC funded, so they're just going to cover any overages on the bid. Huh? Wow. That's their business model. We're just going to eat the overage. Oh yeah, they are just kind of boasting it here. Like they have, uh, so they have been Greylock Partners, Y Combinator, and Bloomberg yep. Beta. So, in fact, there was a good Y, Com- uh, uh, y Combinator, or Hacker News, rather, post where they actually got into replying to people, and it's so obvious that their tactic is, we're going to be cheaper compared to most U.S. shops, because we, you know, I mean, I couldn't do a project for you without, you know, going through a discovery, <laughs> some sort of documentation phase, right, figuring out what you need. So they're just going to gamble. They're going to throw out a bid, relatively competitive probably very competitive actually pretty low and uh if it goes over will they have all that vc money to spend wow that uh that's gonna be hard to compete with i don't think it is at all actually every platform and language we have expertise across the board including all mobile platforms ios watch os and android that's all mobile platforms apparently web and backend by the way we're masters of apis and toolkits too Wow. So they'll do, we'll start with a brief but detailed discussion so that we understand your vision for the product, gather requirements, and properly scope out your project pricing and timeline. Then, the discussion's a, uh, a chat, by the way, just letting you know. Right, of course. Then we yeah. assign a dedicated project manager to manage your team, manage your progress, and manage your deadlines. We build everything according to the best in-class software development principles, the same ones found at the top tech companies we source our talent from. Really? Then they design integration. If you already have designs, it's easy for us to apply them. We also happily work with our design agency. Or if you want to do design, we can help. 
Then they do progressive payment. Payment is conducted through the site and aligned with the progress of your project. After initial deposit, you pay installments as work is completed, according to predetermined milestones. And satisfaction is guaranteed. You'll never pay for overages, and our work is guaranteed. If you're not happy, we'll fix it until you are. You even monitor your product after it's completed and provide ongoing maintenance. What does that mean? Does that mean analytics? What does that mean? I'm sure they're integrating Google Analytics, but the ongoing maintenance is interesting. So, so basically, they're absorbing the costs, right? They're, they're absorbing most of the risk of the project other than your actual bid cost. So let's say you bid $20,000 on an app project. You are pretty secure on not paying more than that for them. The question is, what are you getting out? You know, because one thing they do on their site is they list Yahoo Weather as one of their uh, developers' apps, which is really shady. So instead of listing the apps you've done, you're listing the apps that your developers who work for you or work with you have previously worked mm-hmm. on. <laughs> which is a, re- I mean, something I might actually consider because that's pretty sneaky. Like, yeah, it is pretty sneaky. That's clever, isn't it? Uh, I, I can feel the NDAs flying, but yeah. not the NDAs, the CNDs flying. So the, I see the page. So yeah, so they are. They are bragging about how long it took to do these, the number of people that were involved yep. in the development, and the OSs it runs on, even though they didn't develop these apps. Yep. This is really slick. This is the slickest thing I have ever seen somebody do. This is so slick. So it basically so, makes it look like they have a broad range of existing applications right. they've and, developed. And full, full disclosure, I did reach out to them and did invite them to discuss it with us. They were not interested. I even said I would keep my mouth shut and actually try it, like do a project for them and see how it works. They're not particularly interested in working with traditional shops either, which is interesting. It's, it feels very Uber-like to me. They want to basically commoditize the labor here. Yeah, J.B. Hockathrue says, I've played this game. This is absurd. I'm sure they have a laundry list of exclusions that push the cost back on their customers. Of course, and I'm sure that NDA says if you're unhappy and you do something like post it to Yelp or Twitter or whatever – and it hurts them that they will actually be able to force you to take it down. And I wonder if because they're Y Com, you know, anything that's sometimes VC funded and Y Combinator backed kind of gets an easy pass in the mainstream tech press. Oh, well, what's really interesting is if you're, you know, if you're a guy who has let's say fifteen grand and you want to try doing an app, you know, which that's already fairly low end, and you want to try doing it, maybe you would do Gigster, right? Like. If, if they can get it done, but this is not like hiring a shop. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, actually, to I, be honest I, with you, I mean, I could see this working well for a lot of companies that don't have a lot of money that need a fairly straightforward app done that probably uses a lot of built-in OS functionality anyways, and, geez, you use, well, you have them use something like Meteor, and I'm probably ready to go in two hours. Well, although, oh, you bastard. <laughs> are they, uh, you know, are they going to be around? Because that's the, so... They're VC funded, which is great because they can absorb all the costs, right? Most dev shops run at pretty, pretty cash, uh, hand to mouth, right? Uh, you know, what happens if the VCs don't do another round? Do they pivot to being a traditional shop where, oh, we're sorry, you do have to pay for overages? Um, is it sufficient to have just a chat relationship with your account rep? I would definitely say no. And is this... Like, I'm trying to picture, are the clients you're going to want to try to pick up going to actually be going to Gigster? Hmm. I think they could be. 
Yeah. I don't see it. I really don't. It just feels a little too... Uh, Not today, but I think eventually. Yeah, I think they could. I don't know, man. It feels like this is another Uber of X to me. Yeah, maybe. It's kind of... Like, I don't know. I mean, at its core, what is this company? They are a dev shop that is saving costs on account management by not having that personal relationship, not having any of the travel. And they must be standardizing development practices, right? Of course. They're probably yeah. a bunch of pre-written modules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, okay, they have a bunch of VC cash, and they're willing to bid aggressively and guarantee overages. I think J.B. Hawk has probably got it. He says these guys are targeting VC-based startups. That's what they're like, VC vultures. Yeah, they're they're exactly vampiring right. off of each other VC-funded uh, right. groups that they, yeah. they need like a website as their core product, and so these guys will bang out a website for them. Actually, that's probably exactly what they are, right? They are, uh, they're probably going to do your, your, whatever, your beta, your POC to get you to be able to look for funding. But you're still going to need to hire a traditional shop or your own team at the end of the day. Because mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I just can't. You know, what's really interesting is that they contract out design because design tends to be uh, the the more touchy-feely part of the whole process, right? <laughs> yeah, and the part that you can go back and forth on a million times. And the part that that personal relationship tends to matter a lot, right? Yeah, maybe even in-person meetings. Yeah. Hmm. I don't Do, know. Try gigster.com if you guys want to check it out. Try I mean, Gigster. if you want to, I would encourage you to know, try it out. I don't... They list a 51 active projects right now. So. Which is, is a lot. Yeah. But one, how do they count a project? Two, who cares? Well, yeah, it's like, what does that really mean? Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Is it, oh, yeah. you came for an iOS app, a web app, and an Android app, so is that three projects? Yeah, I, I don't know for sure. To tell you okay. but I, I, did, did you find that over the weekend? Where did you come across this? I came across it uh, last week, and I was looking at it, and I really wanted to like give them a shot. I tried to reach out. Yeah, yeah. It was nice of you. It was nice of you, good guy Mike. Well, I didn't get the warmest of receptions, which is not shocking. Yeah, it's unfortunate, though, isn't it? But, no, they, and to be fair, they just ignored me. That was their reception. They just... Yeah, man. yeah. Um, I think... It's all right. I, I don't know why you would do this as a client who has any money, you know at all but okay uh so i want to i want to talk about something real quick before we run out of here just because uh i like to uh, uh to mention this from time to time on the show and uh to to to, to play a clip just to kind of drive the point home uh i'm gonna uh this is from CoreOS. this clip it was from LinuxCon i went to last week and mike when we first started talking about containers and docker under linux CoreOS didn't exist none of this stuff existed and now now, some people are talking about how containers may eventually kind of make Linux a little less relevant. I'll play this. And finally, you know, we think containers, we think pretty strong, feel pretty strongly that containers are the right way to think about deploying software. Um, and we want them to be ubiquitous. So we want the standard to be as agnostic to, to platform, to OS and architecture uh, as possible. At CoreOS, we're very much focused on Linux, but we, want, we think that application containers um, can be defined in, in a sufficiently portable way. Um, so that there's no reason they can't be used on other operating systems. Uh, every everything at LinuxCon, what well, was also called ContainerCon, uh, it was called LinuxCon ContainerCon 2015, and it was all about Docker and containers. The whole thing, majority of the talks, the majority of the booths, the, everything was about containers. It is blowing up, Mr. Dominic. The Docker stuff is huge. So uh, 
I, uh, I we, we just put out episode um, what was it? What was the episode we just put out of Linux Action Show? We just went down to LinuxCon and we captured some of that and some of the debate around Docker and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's basically got the whole LinuxCon experience in episode three hundred and seventy nine of the Linux Action Show. If you guys want to check it out, Mr. Dominic, is there anything else we want to cover this week? Let's just bounce out of here. All right, Mr. Dominic. Well, then why don't we do this? Go say hi to me on Twitter. At Chris LAS, that's my handle. Are you on there, Mr. Dominic? At Jumanuka. Holy smokes. You can also follow the network at Jupiter Signal. Hey, don't forget Coda Radio's live. Join us on a Monday over at JBLive.tv. We do this show at noon. That's 3 p.m. Eastern. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that converted to your local time zone. And don't forget, we also want your emails. More feedback, please. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact and choose Coda Radio from the dropdown or go to codaradio.reddit.com. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Coda Radio. And we'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>